standard out. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. We are very proud this week to have with us the president of Pride Republic, joining us to help celebrate Pride Month and support the LGBTQ plus community is Paul Ruiz, president of Pride Republic, a man who many people recognize from his gregarious presence within the North End in the LAFC community and a smile that would warm a wet Christmas. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I don't think I've ever been described as gregarious before, so I love that. Thank you. Well, we are very, very esteemed to have you with us. Joining me, as always, of course, co-host Christopher Sines and Christian Aparicio. Gentlemen, welcome. Good evening. Good evening, Jonathan. Happy to be on again. Another week, another episode, and happy to be able to talk to Paul and hear his story and how his life intertwines with LAFC. Yes, absolutely. Good times all around. Thanks, Paul, for coming on, especially representing Pride Republic during Pride Month. And, uh, you know, it's uh, we should do this annually, right? We had Chris on from Pride Republic two years ago, and then obviously because of COVID, we didn't. But I think that this is good, you know, to get somebody from Pride Republic every, every month, especially in Pride Month. Yeah, I like it. Well, thank you for having me. With that, we want to dive into some news and notes around the LAFC community. First and foremost, today we had a big hoopla at the bank. MLS and Liga MX have decided to co-brand for the All-Star Game. It's going to be played at Bank of California on August 25th. And the big bombshell drop today is that Bob Bradley will be coaching the MLS side. So real curious, gentlemen, to hear what do you think about changing it from East versus West, domestic versus international, to going with this new concept of MLS All-Stars versus Liga MX All-Star. Chris, why don't you fire away? You know what? I think that it is an interesting twist. I do like the idea that it is the Liga MX All-Stars versus the MLS All-Stars. I definitely was not a big fan of the MLS All-Stars versus a European club. A lot of times, too, because you didn't get the top talent from those European clubs and it was more show just like a showcase of the match it just it wasn't as good as I would have liked it to have been I did like the East versus West I do think that the MLS has enough talent now to where you can fill out a roster uh, from East and West teams to be able to to have it more of like a traditional American all-star game but I do very much also like and I look forward to seeing what the Liga MX versus MLS all-star matches look like and and it's almost like highlighting the best players from the two different leagues. I'm interested to see who comes, to be honest with you, just because similar to what you just mentioned, Chris, European clubs in the summer are usually off. So we get kind of 15, 20 minutes of the stars and they're not all playing together in terms of the starters. So what will be interesting about Liga MX is I think their apertura starts in July, uh, which means that they'll be a month and a half or so into their season. It's very important because their tournaments are short. I think it's only 17 games. So taking away some of their stars for this all-star exhibition, we'll see how much priority the ownership puts into that. Also, I'm interested to see who's able to play for MLS and from LAFC. Then Bob being able to the coach, that's great. It's something new. I know that this was supposed to happen last year. I was excited about it last year. I had bought tickets to the weak tricks and, and skills competitions. And um, when COVID happened, I was pretty bummed about that. So hopefully if Xavier gets a better sleeping schedule, I'll be able to attend some of these things and participate and, you know, see how this goes. But I do think since one of the goals is 
more tournaments, more competition between the two leagues. It is the right way to kind of introduce that with some other competitions coming into play and being becoming more familiar interleague wise so that these competitions become more important and it generates more more money, at least on the MLS side. Paul, do you have any thoughts on this Liga MX versus MLS All-Star game? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of like the actual football, I think it's going to be super cool and super fun to watch. And not to be a single issue football fan, but I do have to say like a, a concern of mine is that that chat will come back. You know, I think if we proactively attack it before the game, hopefully that nips it in the bud. But, you know, there is always that danger. So I am a little concerned about that, but I'm excited about the actual football. Well, I challenge them to be louder than the 3252, <laughs> assuming we get to be in our seats. Right. I was just going to say, too, I wonder how that would work, you know, with the number of different supporters that might be coming out to the game. And, you know, I can't see them necessarily designating a whole section for the 3252 just so that it's almost like fair for any other visiting fans and things like that. It's It'll be interesting how they work everything out. You know, that's a piece of this that I hadn't really considered. We know that official warnings were given to the fans in attendance during the USA-Mexico match earlier this week. That's right. <clears throat> USA won. Champions. Campeones. But obviously, in a game that had virtually everything a soccer game could have, it was marred by those words of hate. And hopefully, if anything, we could use this as an opportunity to educate people and hopefully start moving the needle in a positive direction south of the border, something that we all desperately want to see. I'm excited to see the concentration of talent that will be present in this game with, you know, half the all-stars getting nominated that we would normally see. We're really going to see a lot of MLS talent together. I still think we had enough talent to do East versus West. I definitely like either of these ideas better than facing a European club, taking a bunch of players who don't play together and putting them against a club, even if it's a partial B squad and you don't get the top tier talent from those European teams, even just having two teams that are assembled last minute versus, you know, having a team that plays together, trains together, I think levels the playing field and gets us a little better soccer. And hopefully it starts to bridge the gap, not only football wise, but culturally, between two nations. And I think, you know, as Paul has touched on, you know, there's some ideological philosophical groundwork that has to be laid here. If we're going to convince the L3 fans to abandon that chant and really start making some headway there. So, you know, Paul, you bring up a really good point there. And, uh, you know, for us who might be a little less experienced in this world, you know, what do you think we could do to try and help convince the L3 fans that, you know, they're in need of some education in this regard? That's a tough one, man. <laughs> I mean, I think we can we can do what we can do and make sure that, you know, the message is there that we don't tolerate this at the bank. And whatever we can do to, to publicly post that, I think it'll help. I don't like the, the punitive sort of approach, but, you know, that may also have to come into play if if it continues, I mean, I, I think education is always a better option than punishment, but this is a really, really tough one. So we'll see. Yeah, and, but, um, and it's unfortunate too, you know, I, and I don't think it's just exclusive to the L tree fans, right? I think that there was a video that had come out about uh, during the nation's cup matches i think it was an el salvador match and there was just you know vulgar sayings that were being thrown around there and it's it, you know it is it's very much a rooted part of some of the games that and matches that you'll see it's something that has to be combated in full force and it has to show a united front 
because other than that, it, there's nothing that you could really do to try and combat it. You know, you have to just show united fronts and and try and have those conversations and show a zero tolerance for it. Yeah, and I think part of it also is just preparation, right? I mean, if we make it known from the beginning, like way before the game even starts and start setting that expectation that it's not going to be tolerated, I think that's also important versus waiting until the game and then it happens and then you're reacting versus really just trying to nip it in the bud with as much proactive education as possible. Well, bigotry has no place in this game whatsoever, and hopefully we can take a stand for that. And hopefully we can convince people people that this is genuinely the right thing for them to do and hopefully you know i know a lot of l tree fans and most of them are fantastic wonderful people you know i know a lot of usa fans as well too and most of them are fantastic wonderful people and we just got to make sure that the smarter cooler heads prevail hopefully i do think lafc has done a good job of rooting it out here i think with peer pressure from the stands that's why i hope it's mostly season ticket holders that are able to attend because I think there could be a um, an inverse of uh, influence, right? So those that start trying to say that, most people that are season ticket holders don't do it, and they'll you know kind of quell that. So I and mean, hopefully this this is one of the catalysts to make it broader in the U.S. and then over time have a trickle down south of the border and into Central America as well. Absolutely, and I I agree with you, Christian. I do think that LAFC has done a great job in trying to. You know, that one, I remember, you know, that one playoff match that we had, I believe it was in our first season and it came out. And then after that, there was a big, big zero tolerance for it. And I think that since then we haven't really had an incident like that. And it's, you know, it's just, it's good. It's good that it's happening. The all-star match is happening in this environment where I feel like the expectation is known. But, you know, in other LAFC news, our USL affiliate, the Las Vegas Lights FC had their home opener in Las Vegas. And it was a very wild event. I saw a lot of photos. I saw Blake from LAFC Central was there. I saw that there was a lot of visiting supporters that had made the trip to Las Vegas. Uh, Some of our D9U friends, specifically, I saw uh, some of their social media, Ray and other guys uh, in the supporters section. It was actually Las Vegas's first win. They won 2-0 over the Tacoma Defiance. And right now in the Western Conference Pacific standings, Tacoma is in fourth place. They had two wins, one tie, and now they had a loss. And this was Las Vegas's first win of the season after four straight losses. And there was a goal from two of our LLAFC loanees, and that was from Cal Jennings for the first goal and then Bryce Duke for the second. And it was a very heads-up play by Bryce Duke, getting a header off of one of the players from the other team. And it was a pretty much like a pass backwards. And so he wasn't offsides, but he pretty much just had the goalie to beat. And you know, it, was a, it was a great game. I thought that Las Vegas played very well, and it was definitely the best that I had seen them perform. I had actually watched all of their games so far this season, and this was the best they had looked. I think even Latif went out there with D9. So, oh, okay. Right yeah. on. So maybe he needs to go to more games. Who knows? Be happy that they're making some progress and getting some of the young guys some confidence. That's important, especially with run into the season when there's going to be midseason, excuse me, midweek games and weekend games. It's going to be important for them to be fit and in rhythm because I'm sure that some of those players are going to be called in to support the first team. Yeah, I'd also be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to our Pride Republic members that were there. We had a couple people show up as well. We're excited about away games this year. So I was hoping that you were going to mention that because <laughs> I definitely caught on social media a strong 3252 presence there. It certainly was not just D9. But shouts to everyone who made the trip out there. Sounds like everyone had quite 
a weekend in the recently opened Vegas and also got to see some football as well too. Vegas being Vegas, but some other news around the lights as well too, Christian. Yeah, Steve Sarundula voted into the U.S. Hall of Fame, so good on him. Long storied career in uh, Germany, also some managerial stints out there and now heading up the Las Vegas Lights. Uh, We appreciate the recognition from the U.S. Federation, and I'm in agreement that he deserves to be in there. He's proven to to be multifaceted in the sport and also had a great playing career as well. Really fantastic to see Bob Bradley being the one to present him the award as well, too, from one coach to the other, from one Hall of Famer to the other. Beautiful moment, and uh, the smile on his face in those pictures that were posted from IMOD, I think, through the LAFC account. Fantastic. Just a great capture of that moment. Congrats to Mr. Terundola. Other news that just came down prior to recording within an hour before us getting live here is that Christmas tree lane is back, baby. That's right. We're going to be tailgating again for the Juneteenth game. I have to say as much as I missed the in-game experience and getting to watch and cheer for LAFC and all the beauty that is the North end experience and the live experience, the tailgates have always been such a powerful force for me, something that is really, you know, very grounding, very familial, very community oriented. And the fact that we get to have our first post-COVID tailgate coming up for the Juneteenth game is ecstatic news that we are happy to help get out there. I'm sure by the time this episode goes through editing and gets published, this will be old news. But as of right now, I am absolutely ecstatic to get back to the tailgating. I don't know yet if shoulder to shoulder will be out there with our pop-up tent. We are going to do our best to make that happen. Work schedules, lives, babies, all that fun stuff might get in the way of us having a pop-up, but we will for sure be wandering around. I know I will have some pins, some of the buttons Al Hopkins generously made for us, and some scarves that'll probably be with me as well, too. So if you're interested in any of those items, by all means, reach out to us, follow us at LAFCS2S on all your social media platforms. You can DM any of us there, and we can try and hook you up with uh, pins, scarves, buttons, whatever it is you would like to help rep the shoulder-to-shoulder show. Just a reminder that all of our gray scarves Every single penny after cost of those items goes to the LAFC Foundation. And if you are still interested in some of our limited edition gold ThinkWatts partnership scarves, every single penny after cost goes to the ThinkWatts Foundation. We do not make a dime on our merchandise sales. Every single penny of it is donated to charity. So if you are looking to purchase any of those items, please reach out to us and let us know. But we are ecstatic to get back to the tailgate. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. It's going to be great seeing all of our friends and stuff like that. And yeah, I would love to make sure that I'm out there. But of course, like you said, family and kids and things like that. But can't wait. In other breaking news, just something for all of our listeners and fans, Global Diplomatic, which is one of the organizations that has been giving out community support when we had our waiters at Lyon. They did it also last year. They had planned a, a, a charity event uh, when we went to Rail Salt Lake. Last season, they are actually doing another event in Salt Lake, and it's going to be for the July 3rd match. LAFC is traveling to Salt Lake to play RSL July 3rd at 7 o'clock. And for any of those that want to help donate or for anybody that is actually going to be there, Global Diplomatic, let's see, in honor of the 4th of July, 1776, we will provide 104, which is 7 plus 4 plus 17 plus 76, 104 relief bags for the less fortunate living around Liberty Park. 
if anyone has any questions, feel free to contact Carlos Aguirre at 818-429-0564. And, you know, it's going to be a great event. You know, Global Diplomatic is just one of the many organizations that does volunteer opportunities for communities that are less fortunate or in need of any kind of support. So uh, we love to make sure that we give shout outs and support to anybody that's doing good for the black and gold community. Absolutely. Hats off to the people at Global Diplomatic. They are constantly ahead of the game with trying to make sure that we are a force for good everywhere we go. And that charity event in Leon was one of the most powerful events I have ever been witness to. And what they put together down there was, I think, something that changed my life. And it's fantastic to see them continuing uh, to be a force for good. Uh, not to beat the phrase, but they really are a symbol of that in a way that uh, is fantastic and, and great representatives of the LAFC brand and doing good work, good work everywhere they go. So hats off to the Aguirre family, Carlos, and everyone at Global Diplomatic. And any support you could lend to them and their efforts would be greatly appreciated. One last bit of news and notes for those of us that are following the Brian Rodriguez watch. Almeria did lose. We talked about it briefly in our interview with John Thornton. And for those of you that haven't had an opportunity to take a listen, go back and listen to episode 93, where we interview our general manager and co-president of the club, John Thornton. He had mentioned about the situation with Brian Rodriguez. And in fact, they did not win their second leg come out of the zero three hole that they're in. And so now it is definitely interesting to see what is going to happen with Brian Rodriguez. Like, is he going to come back to LAFC? Is he going to get sold somewhere else in Europe? Or is he going to, you know, go on loan again somewhere else? So it'll be interesting to see exactly how that all plays out. I was going to say, Brian, he's a LAFC player again. So after Copa America, he contractually obligated to come back or have his representative negotiate some sort of exit sale or loan. So if he goes on loan, we need another DP to come in and swoop in because we need some offense. With that, that will wrap us up for the news and notes portion of the show. We are once again so blessed to have Paul Ruiz with us, president of Pride Republic. You can follow Pride Republic on Twitter at LAFC Pride Repub. And of course, on Instagram at LAFC Pride Republic. Mr. Ruiz, once again, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, no, thank you for having me. This is a, this is a treat for me. So thank you. We are very curious to hear how the beautiful game entered your life and what was your first experience with this wonderful event that is football? Well, I think some people have already sort of heard my journey, but I work for Delta Airlines. And as you know, Delta is a big sponsor of uh, LAFC. We originally, I was kind of voluntold that I had to go to these events on behalf of Delta. So the very first event I went to was when they announced Bob Bradley as the coach. It was in that cool like bar venue area. I showed up knowing nothing nothing about soccer, football, LAFC, nothing. And I showed up and, you know, I, I, the 3252 was there with drums and chants. And like, it was just really super exciting event. And I thought, this is kind of interesting. Like, who, who are these people and why are they chanting? There's no team. There's no, nothing. like they're already dedicated, but there's, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little confused. Like what's happening here? That was my first experience with LAFC. 
From then, um, I got tasked on this uh, project management team for the LAFC fan flight to Seattle. I don't know if you recall, Delta took a bunch of fans up to Seattle for the very first game in club history. So I was on that project management team and I was on the plane with the fans. And everybody was super pumped. It was super exciting. And it was just a, a really great experience. And then I get to the game and I, and I see everything that's going on. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really cool. And I remember we were sitting in like these super bougie, you know, box seats <laughs> by the press location. And I could see like in the Sounders supporters section, there was like a, a rainbow flag, like that was waving in the stands. And, and I thought like, huh, that's interesting. Like, is soccer gay friendly? Like, is football gay friendly? This is really interesting. And I just kind of filed that in the back of my mind. I had such a great time at the game. I loved watching the game. It was super engaging. That first goal from Diego Rossi, like, it was just amazing, right? And I got home, and like two days later on Facebook, I got this ad. I guess Facebook, you know, they're always tracking you, right? And so I got this ad about, you know, Atlanta United is the team in Atlanta for the LGBTQ community. And I thought, huh, that's like the second reference that I've gotten with like football being in MLS being gay friendly. And I thought that's really interesting. Right. So meanwhile, I'm kind of watching all these things develop at LAFC, you know, with the supporter groups and starting to get more involved and starting to get more interested in it. And I thought like, huh, like there's other gay organizations that are supporting other MLS teams. Like I wonder what LAFC is doing. So I actually sent an email to Rich and I was like, hey, what's your plan for outreach into the LGBTQ community? And he was like, you know, that's a really good question. Is that something you want to help us with? And I was like, absolutely not. I have no time to do anything else, no. But he's like, but let me introduce you to this guy who's kind of like, you know, trying to do the same thing that you're asking me about. And so he introduced me to Dexter. And I met Dexter. We talked. He told me his story about how, you know, he really wanted to make the bank and LAFC a really inclusive and friendly environment and a place where his son could feel safe to go to a game. And that just really touched me to my core that like a dad would really like just just go that far to make sure that his son feels welcome. That's kind of how I got involved. And then just little by little, <laughs> it just consumed me. And here we are. So obligatory LAFC rich shout out. It seems like every <laughs> guest on this show, when they tell their origin story, there is somehow a thread that crosses with LAFC rich. And yeah. somehow he just, in a passing comment, happens to mention a connection to another person. And right. his ability to get like-minded folks together is astounding. The man is, uh, uh, I've said it numerous times on this show, we describe this community as being brick by brick, but that mortar that holds each brick together has Rich's name on it for sure. Oh yeah, he's definitely a Pied Piper of sorts. <laughs> so we know you were an avid sports fan prior to LAFC as well though, so take us through your teams. Dodgers, Lakers, Kings, you're a native well, Angelino, so. <laughs> actually, so I'm not really sure where you got that information because I'm not actually a super, I, I wasn't until LAFC. Of course, like I love watching sports. I love going to Lakers games. They're always super fun, except when they weren't. But I still went. You know, Dodgers. I've, I've been a Dodger fan since I was a little kid. 
kid and you know but I wouldn't really say that I was a super fan or supporter of any team I love my LA teams don't get me wrong but really the one that captured my heart my imagination my passion everything is really LAFC I just really love what the club stands for what they try to do in the community all of that just really speaks to me and I love watching the game like it's so exciting and the energy and everything it just this is the one that got me <laughs> you mentioned your first experience with LAFC being the famous Bob Bradley cap tilt were you not involved in the Thanksgiving 2017 turkey pass out as well too was that not a delta I was I was was that before or after the announcement I think that was well I think it might have been after Bob Bradley yeah. but it was certainly before our first game at the yes. Brazil Foundation I believe Yes, yes. That was really, I mean, that was an amazing experience as well. I was also there for the YLP, the kickoff, when they when they first announced that they were going to do YLP at Brazil. And I'm telling you, those kids blew me away. You know, there's um, a really small but super significant thing that they teach the YLP kids that just stuck with me. We were already there kind of waiting sort of for them to arrive to Brazil. They didn't know who I was. They didn't know me from Adam, right? They didn't know that I was like Mr. Sponsor from Delta. The bus rolls up, they get off the bus, and every single one of those YLP leaders gets off the bus, comes up to you, looks you straight in the eye, shakes your hand, and introduces themselves. And I thought, holy cow, that is so impressive because... I mean, I don't know about you, but I was certainly not that person in high school where I would have the confidence to go up to somebody and just say, hi, my name is Paul. And that small little like thing changes everything, right? On how you approach things to have the confidence to just go up to somebody and say, hey, my name is Paul. Nice to meet you. Thank you for being here or whatever. I was so impressed with those kids. We've been fortunate enough to interview four different leaders, two male, two females in the past from YLP and also the director. So multiple episodes for those that are listening to go back to listen Mm -hmm. to. Very impressive in the way they carry themselves. I I do agree with Mm -hmm. you and very organized, very well-spoken. So I agree that at that age, I feel like I was trying to figure myself out and not Mm -hmm. confident enough to approach an adult that seemed important uh, and introduce myself. I was kind of caught up in my own head, but they have the wherewithal to be able to do that and ask kind of how to help or think beyond themselves in their situation and um, be in the moment. That is episodes 18, 19, and 30. For those of you who would like to go back in the shoulder to shoulder history file there and hear about the Brzee Foundation and the Youth Leadership Program. Let me ask you, Paul, you have all of these away day experiences and you have, you know, some of these leading up to the big actual home opener experiences. I guess talk to us a little bit about that and tell us, you know, where all of these single irreplaceable experiences where they all have ranked so far in your LAFC experiences. So that first game at the bank, it was super exciting, right? It's like the first game ever. And because I wasn't really super involved in football culture and hadn't had like that much exposure to it. When I heard that chant, it was really confused, right? Because it was like, wait, what? Did they just yell what I think they did? And it just kind of threw me for a loop, right? Because up until leading up to that, 
point, it had all been very like positive, gay friendly, rainbow flags in like at the Sounders game and with Atlanta, whatever. Like I, I was having this really good feeling about like, okay, I feel welcome here. I feel included. Like this is going to be amazing. Like I'm all in. And then at that first game to hear like the fans yelling the chant. And I, I didn't even know that that was a thing. And to hear that, it was like, whoa, that's aggressive you know so it kind of marred my very first game at the bank experience and at that time you know pride republic was just sort of forming like we were really just getting started but that first game and that incident of the chant kind of threw us into like what i call like this hurricane black hole whirlwind of like all of a sudden now you have to speak for everybody against this chant and, and our organization, to be honest with you, we were just getting started and to be like thrust into that spotlight. It was a little rough getting started, but I think it really spurred us into action as well. And it only happened at that first game and then at the last game against Salt Lake. So the entire season, it was gone, partially because of all the actions that the club took, the 3252 took, with our help and our consultation, you know, we had, I think it was Simon and Alfred. Uh, anyway, everybody was stood up there at the beginning of the second game to just, you know, say that it's not tolerated and, and kind of made all the, that's when the rainbow flag started coming out in the pregame. And so like all these actions that we took were great, but, and it, and it worked for most of the, the entire season until that very last game. But you know, take, take us through kind of some of that behind the scenes. What was the conversations like with the 3252 and the club? You know, how did you go yeah. about presenting that case to them? And, you know, how did it feel to know that barring the one exception thereafter, you took something that had been culturally prevalent within this yeah. game and formally abolished it in one game, barring, you know, that one game in which some people that were you know, let's be honest, right. in the away fan section, you know, started bringing that chant back out. Yeah, I mean, we had quite a few conversations with the club and the 3252. Like, it really had to be a partnership of all the key stakeholders. Like, we definitely, at that point in time, would not have had the wherewithal to tackle it ourselves. So it was a team effort. Um, and I think, you know, they were very open to hearing some of what we thought and were the actions that we needed to take. Like, for example, having more visibility with the rainbow flags and having all the leadership up there before the start of the game, you know, telling people like, hey, this is not cool. We don't tolerate this. And just really having the full force of those two entities supporting this initiative to eradicate it. It was huge, right? I mean, that that made all the difference. This is not something that is just a private public issue, right? This is a club issue. This is a 3252 issue. We all have to tackle this together. And I think we were pretty successful in that because we did it all together. So we know that that was right around the time that Pride Republic was really getting its feet under itself. Mm -hmm. And that event certainly helped catapult the Pride Republic name out there. So how did the supporters group sort of coalesce after that? And how did it grow and continue to evolve to, to the monstrous that it is today? <laughs> well, thank you for uh, calling us monstrous. I like that. You know, I think in the beginning, after that first game and, you know, the second game, we're always sort of like, is it going to come back? Is it not going to come back? I think after the mid-season, we're like, okay, we're, we're, we're good. And, you know, we're, like you said, we're just getting our sort of feet under us. I think the playoff game against Salt Lake, when it came back, 
devastated a lot of us, right? We were really shocked that it actually came back because it was, it was like, God, we were so good, like the entire season and then it came back. So I think, you know, between season one and season two, that's kind of where I think Pride Republic really started to formulate a stronger identity because that's when we decided we need to be proactive about this in the off season so that when the next season starts, we already have a plan in place. Like we already know what we're going to do. We already know how we're going to address this. So we actually brokered a meeting with LAFC, with the 3252 and with GLAAD. So GLAAD is the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. They do a lot of work in media and that kind of, so they, they kind of gave us like some consultations on how we could attack this, you know, um, and that's where the video came out. We had cards on the stands for a few games. I don't know if you guys recall that. We maintained the flags. There was a video announcement before every game talking about it. So that all happened in the off season between season one and season two, where we said, look, so that we don't get caught like on this again, let's have a proactive approach and let's make this plan before the season starts. And I think that's that's kind of where the key to our success lied and that we plan for it in advance. There's a lot of black, again, blocking and tackling, right? Preparation, <laughs> but I'm sure there's also some social. I know that some social component to it. I recall that there's a meetup of a halftime, right? Well, because yes. private publics, they don't necessarily all send 30 to 52, right. they send different parts. So yeah. is there a kind of a Christmas tree lane meetup, a halftime meetup? How, how does that all yeah. work? So we are moving forward. Like we're going to be more visible on Christmas tree lane before the games. But for the last couple of seasons, we've been meeting on the patio at the bar in front of the entrance there by uh, HQ. We put up rainbow flags so people know like, hey, this is where we're at. So that's sort of been our main social component. And we always do the halftime pick right on the, the northeast side of the stadium. And really... That is just so that we can maintain our visibility. I mean, it's obviously a social thing, but we have to be visible because the only way we make real change is to be visible. So I think this season, you're going to see us a lot more in the North End. You know, we finally got our North End tickets. We got some North End tickets. You know, we, we've been really trying to increase our presence there, you know, making sure that we have a rainbow flag flying every game. That's really important for us this season. It's a big goal of ours. I think the last two games, we've, been, we've done a pretty good job. And we're hoping that we just get bigger and bigger in the North End. Yeah, I loved seeing you guys there in 105 with us for this last game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, two games ago, I missed this last game. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it to a work obligation. Yeah. But uh, I love yeah. seeing some of the D9 capos taking the flag and waving it for a while yeah. as well, too. And hopefully that spreads across the North End and we get to see, yeah. you know, Pride Republic uh, standing there yeah. shoulder to shoulder with everyone in the North End. It's beautiful to see. Yeah, we, we've kind of do the graces of the D9U that, you know, kind of let us crash their party a little bit, but we've kind of scoped out 105. We're like, we're row G for gay. So if you don't know where we're at, we're in section 105, row G for gay. If you can't find the flag, go to row G. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> fantastic. That's fantastic. We know that the Pride Republic D9U connection started with, rest in peace, Mauricio Fascio. In Diving through your social media account and doing my hurried research for today's episode, I got really caught up because as I was scrolling through, I think it was your Instagram profile, and I looked back to the very, very first LAFC home game. And shortly thereafter, every single one of those posts from you had comments and interaction from Mo on it. I know early on in the conversations within 
D9U. You know, obviously the Julios and the Rays of the world have been pride allies, but the strongest voice in the D9U room from day one for Pride Republic was Mo. And I know that he was a fierce, fierce ally for you guys within the 3252 as well, too. So I was wondering if you could touch a little bit for people who didn't know that side of Mo, if you could tell a little bit about his connection between D9, 3252 and Pride Republic. Yeah, I mean, Mo was our biggest, oh man, I get like, uh, all right, take a breath. Um, <clears throat> Mo was our biggest ally. He was our biggest supporter. He was our biggest cheerleader. I met Mo for the first time at one of our very first watch parties at the BRAC downtown. And uh, he showed up with Anna and we were kind of chit-chatting. And, you know, Mo's like, you know, if you don't know Mo, you're like, oh my God, this is this tough guy, right? And, you know, we started talking and then I don't even know how this started, but we started talking about RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> and and I said, yeah, man, Shangela was robbed. And, if you don't know RuPaul's Drag Race, this won't mean anything to you. But if you do, then you'll know what I'm talking about. And he was like, I agree. She was totally robbed from that. And, you know, and from then on, I just, I just felt this like warmth, acceptance, loving presence from him. And through the years, man, he was, I know there's so many WhatsApp messages where I'm like, hey, wait, tengo una pregunta, like, you know, and, and uh, he was just, just, our rock man he was our guide like he helped us so much and we just owe so much to him because just he was just an incredible presence and i i can't say enough about how much we love that guy it's just it broke our hearts man but yeah so that that's uh that's how we uh that's how we got uh mo in the fold <laughs> now that you mentioned uh, it makes sense to have you this month during pride month yeah and from season one to season two there was planning was there planning during this pandemic in preparation for the season? What kind of events do you have planned for this month in terms of announcing? You have a platform here to be able to do that. Yeah, cool. Well, so Pride Night at LAFC is actually July 17th. We know Pride is normally in June or what have you, but we are the ones that asked LAFC to move Pride Night to July 17th because there are two home games in June. Obviously, June 19th is Juneteenth, so we didn't want to do Pride Night then. Um, and then the other game is on a Wednesday. And um, we really wanted to do like a Saturday night game because those are like epic so we asked the club like we said hey are you guys cool we really i we know june is like the big pride month but we'd really like to have it on july 17th because it's a saturday night game we can make a bigger splash and it'll be really it'll be more visibility for us to just get out there and do it and the club agreed which is very indicative of how they you know respect the community so we moved it to july 17th which is going to be really exciting but We've got a couple of collab watch parties coming up on the 26th. We're doing a collaboration with the Black Army at our home bar in West Hollywood called High Tops. Super excited about that. Albert and I have something special planned for people, so that'll be really fun. On the 3rd, for the game on the 3rd, we're doing a collab watch party with the crew. Um, and we're also doing a clothing and toiletries drive for the Trans Wellness Center. So that's really, that's super exciting for us. In September, we've got a collab watch party with LAO. And we're working on a date with D9U because we can't forget our D9U brothers and sisters. So, you know, we've got a couple of things coming down the pike. For community, we actually have a backpack stuffing event on the 31st of July with Ultimed, which is a very 
well-known, well-respected community health clinic that serves uh, a lot of Latinos in the community. So super excited about that. So we've got a lot of things in the hopper. Busy summer, busy summer. It's not just a Pride Month thing. It's, it's right, exactly. It's an all-year thing. We like we like to hear that. And thank you for announcing that. We want to make sure our listeners are able to participate, attend, find the local bar, be able to donate uh, as much as they can so that we can support our LGBTQ community. So you've been very generous with your time this evening and we're running a little bit long. So I do want to kind of advance the conversation to what I think will be the most important question we ask this evening. Normally, it would be what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you? And we will certainly get to that question here in a second. But I think more importantly, given that it is Pride Month, but given the culture of football globally, the bigotry that has been present throughout this game, and what has sadly transpired in so many places around the world, even here in Los Angeles, it has reared its ugly head at times. So what can we do, maybe as a show, as a community, as a fan base for our listeners, what can we do to be better allies? How do we stand shoulder to shoulder with the LGBTQ plus community? You know, I think the biggest thing you can do is just show up and just you know to be welcoming inclusive friendly like I've had nothing but positive experiences meeting people in the north end and 3252 everybody's always super welcoming that's all anybody wants right is to feel like they belong I mean our, our slogan is everybody belongs because we believe that like everybody does belong that is what LA is about that is what this club is about that's what we want to be about and I think to be the best ally you can be is just to show up and be supportive and show empathy and compassion and just love everybody, right? I mean, that, that, that's all there is to it. It's pretty basic, I think. I'm glad to hear that the sentiment and the experience so far has been positive for you, apart from a couple yeah. incidents on a person-to-person basis. Yeah. Positive, positive vibes and positive ideals. And- you know, the thing too, and, and I'm sorry we're running over, it, it probably just means I talk too much, but <laughs> even the negative experiences have turned into positive experiences. And I don't know if you have time, if I could share like another anecdote with you or two, but you know, there was that game when we all went to Carson and we all, you know, boarded buses and stuff. And, you know, three of the Pride Republic members were on a bus. And we had like our pride stuff on our uh, stickers and on our back of our shirts. And um, on the bus, you know, there was this kind of drunk guy who started kind of yelling some stuff and saying some, you know, homophobic stuff. And it was kind of weird because the back of the bus, who all saw us with our pride flags on the back of our shirts, were kind of quiet. And then everybody on the front of the bus was kind of rowdy and, you know, it was they're just like having a good time. And that bus ride to Carson was probably one of the longest bus rides I've ever taken in my life. We got to the stadium, you know, we get in the stands, we're having a really good time. While we were on the bus, like it was it was two men and a woman. It was me and a, two, a man and a woman. And we were all like, should we say something? Should we not say something? Like we should say something. We kind of just had this internal battle, like... For the entire bus ride, and we just decided, you know, we're just going to let it go. So we get to the game. We're in the stands. We see the same guy, like, in the stands near us. And uh, we're like, should we say something? Like, what do we do? Like, we can't not do anything. And so we kind of, the two men were like, well, let's just let it go, whatever, right? 
Well, our heroine, Daisy, she actually went up to the guy and she was like, hey, brother, can I just talk to you for a minute? And she kind of told him like, hey, you know, like kind of explain like we're all here for the same reason. We're all family. You know, the stuff that you were doing on the bus wasn't cool, blah, blah, blah. And they had this really good conversation. Right. And so she came back and that was kind of the end of it. And we kind of just were like, oh, Daisy, like you're our hero. Thank you for doing that. Right. And that was the end of that, right? Well, the end of the game, we're kind of all milling about. And the guy comes back and we're like, oh, shit, are we in trouble? <laughs> like, what's going to happen now? And he came back and he was like, hey, I actually, I talked to your homegirl, Daisy, but I want to extend an apology to you two because of what I was doing was not appropriate. And it was like, wow, that was that was a great moment because that's all it takes, right? Is for you to have that interaction and say, hey, I'm I'm human. I'm just like you. We're all here for the same reason. There's no need for any of this, right? Like let's just let's just love one another, enjoy the game and and support our team. Like that's what we're all here for. So even though like it was a negative experience to start with, it ended up being a positive experience, right? And that that's sort of the same thing that happened, you know, with that whole Chiquilina incident, right? Like it kind of took us off guard and it was kind of like this negative experience, but we turned it into a positive by having hosting that webinar that we did called Out in the Stands, where we kind of talked about it and really just tried to educate people. And at the end of the day, that also turned into a positive experience, right? Now, because we have this great relationship with Chiquilin, you know, he was able to sort of express his his remorse in a, a sincere way. Um, and so even though that started off as kind of like a bad experience, it turned into a positive experience. So I don't want, you know, people to think that all these negative experiences affect us. But the important thing is, like, take those negative experiences and make them positive, right? Make them an educational moment. Make it a, a time to connect with somebody. So anyway, that's a very long-winded story. So sorry about that. Just to share that, because I think they're important milestones that we've had in educating and just connecting with people, man. It's just connecting with people. Those are both fantastic stories. I love my Pride Republic gear because I, I a half the clothes I wear, if not more, are LAFC related clothes. <laughs> and everybody knows that I'm constantly wearing LAFC gear. I get more people that stop me on the street, random strangers, and ask me about the Everybody Belongs jacket I have nice. more people that approach me and start a conversation over the Pride Republic gear that I wear in public than have ever stopped me about any other supporters group podcast, you know, LAFC gear that I might be wearing. That Pride Republic gear, just wearing it around town has opened the door to to so many conversations, you know, sort of like this show has as well, too. Very, very early on, I think of my first episode yeah, in which I I helped co-host was Mr. Len Lonzi. Uh, and I'm oh, sure yeah. you know Len. Um, oh, yeah, he, he and, is on our board. <laughs> he and Russ are, are regular customers at my store now as well, too. They attend the gym that's in the same shopping center as, as my store. And so I see Len like every week now he pops in to check <laughs> in. And those kind of relationships that have been forged with people within Pride Republic, very dear to me. Uh, and I've had nothing but overwhelmingly positive experiences with everyone from Pride Republic. I can say that across most SGs, 99% of my experiences with them have been positive, but there's always been, you know, a couple bad apples, a couple incidents here and there. I have never once ever heard 
of a single incident ever involving anyone from Pride Republic. Y'all have handled yourself with a level of decorum under, you know, let's be honest, at times, some difficult situations that it would have been really easy to lash out in anger and vitriol. And yet every time Pride Republic has encountered an obstacle, a difficulty, or been victim to bigotry, the way y'all have responded to it with education and sincerity and open arms to try and embrace these people and bring them in is astounding. And the character it takes to represent that across your entire SG is astounding. So hats off to the folks at Pride Republic for that. I just wanted to throw my two cents in on that. Sorry to be long-winded myself. So that will bring us to our final question of the evening. Mr. Ruiz, what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you, sir? Shoulder to shoulder to me means being a family, standing shoulder to shoulder, supporting our team, loving each other, just being there for each other and providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for everybody. Because like I said before, our slogan is everybody belongs and we believe that and that's what we want to portray. And that's that's what shoulder to shoulder means to us. Fantastic. On behalf of Chris, Christian, our Beloved sound engineer, Wilton, and myself, we sincerely appreciate you coming. We know your booking was last minute. We thank you so much for taking the time to come and join us this evening. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Of course, you can follow Pride Republic on Twitter at LAFC Pride Repub, on Instagram at LAFC Pride Republic. If you are interested in joining, being an ally, supporting them, we know that there are still, to the best of my knowledge, halftime meetups in the Northeast End. If you are a 3252 North Ender, you know, 105, G for gay, show up, bring your colors, be proud. And if you're anywhere else in the stadium or at Christmas Tree Lane, once again, uh, you can certainly find Pride Republic. Just follow the rainbow flags. And so happy to see that those flags still are part of our pregame rituals and ceremonies. I was involved in that ceremony and got to bring the Pride flag out. And that was one of my proudest moments being involved in those ceremonies beforehand. So we will continue to be an ally as best we can and appreciate all your support and continuing to improve in that regard. So thank you, sir, once again. And on behalf of all of us, congratulations on hopefully another successful Pride game coming up and really looking forward to see what y'all bring to a tailgate in the game. With that, that will wrap us up for episode 94. Don't forget to like, subscribe, tell your friends, and follow us at LAFCS2S on all your social media accounts. But for that, episode 94 comes to a close. So take us home, Sticks.